Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the 15th season of the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We are all being required to change the way that we do everyday things, and it's been going on for eight months now. It's trying and depleting for even the most resilient among us. One consequence of that is that, at least from our unique perspective, people are a little more willing to admit they're having a rough time, that their reserve tanks are dangerously low, that they are, to use a metaphor, driving on fumes. We saw that last week. There was supposed to be the first of two reruns on some tools to help us manage difficult and uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. It was an introduction to mindful self-compassion, an emotional healing practice. We originally posted it five months back, and we got the same amount of plays as all of our other episodes. Well, last week when we uploaded it again... It was like pouring water on a dry sponge. Within hours, 700 people had played it, demonstrating that right now we really need all the free, reliable, accessible tools that we can gather to nourish and protect ourselves. So rather than post that second rerun, we reached back out to Barbara Moser, a mindful self-compassion teacher, fierce mental health and suicide prevention advocate, and retired medical doctor, for an update and a few more practices to help us all manage. The reaction we got to your original episode was so different, so starkly different than it was five months ago that we realized that we needed to reach back out to you and see if you could offer some more tools and things that can help us help ourselves through these ridiculously long and difficult times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about that first, the difference between where we were thinking we were nearly done with all this to five months later, where we're now seven months into it, and the pandemic is just one of the things on our minds and in our hearts. Right. So for many of us, things are just wearing on and on and on. And We need to find new ways to just get through our days, right? Mm -hmm. It's been really, really hard for me, too, for me, too. Maybe I can share a little bit about the things that, as a trained teacher in mindful self-compassion, I'm learning and learning about practices and what many different wise practitioners are offering into the world to help us uh, get through our days. What's helping me these days? Would that be useful? Yes, please. I would say on an immediate basis, when I'm feeling stress, when I'm feeling 
pain, could be my own pain, could be empathic pain because of what I'm seeing happening in the world. My go-to practice, the very first thing I do is my hand goes over my heart because what this signals to me, this is this soothing touch, and it signals, Barbara, I've got you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm holding you. I can hold your pain. We can move through this together. And that has been invaluable for me through these times because soothing touch, talking to myself in a soothing tone, activates this mammalian caregiving system that we all have. We all have it. And we can employ it to support ourselves on a day-in, day-out basis. I would imagine it's a very foreign concept to a lot of people to say to yourself, I've got you. Yeah. Well, there's great power in befriending ourselves and becoming an inner ally to yourself because what it does is it gives you some possibility of creating a very stable base for yourself from where you can take the actions you want to take in the world during these very hard times. I just wonder if there were going to be some people who would be like, I have to do that too. You know, I'm trying to work from home. I'm maybe being my children's teacher now. I'm, you know, have people in the house who aren't usually here. I'm not usually here. Maybe a job loss. And then it's the thought I have to soothe myself and take care of myself too. But we do, we do have to do that. We have to do that whether or not there's a pandemic. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not at all suggesting that this is easy, but they, these are ways that have really been shown to help give ourselves the support we need right now. Nice. They're worth a try. You know, that's all we can do is try different things. You know, we offer different possibilities, different options. And then, you know, if it's a good day and you're feeling okay, try it, try it. Absolutely. Let's quickly review what mindfulness and self-compassion are as actual exercises, as opposed to just thoughts. Sure. You know, mindfulness is really to be aware of what's happening in the present moment, to not judge it, to allow it to be, accepting that for this moment, just for this moment, this is how things are. That's not to say what's happening is just, that it's acceptable, or that it doesn't need changing. It may very well need changing. But when we can just say, okay, for now, this is what is, it gives us a little bit of space in order to respond more intentionally, more thoughtfully, more skillfully, more wisely to what's happening in the moment than just immediately getting caught up in what it is in the story of what's going on and reacting. And the second part of MSC is self-compassion. So self-compassion is really treating ourselves with the same kindness and care and goodwill that we would have for a dear friend who was struggling 
in the same way that we are. Kristen Neff, a pioneering researcher in the field, breaks self-compassion into three specific parts. The first is the mindfulness Barbara described. The second is the idea of common humanity. Yeah, we're all human beings, no matter what we look like, no matter what race we are, what gender we are, what sexual orientation, sexual identity is, whatever it is, right? Religion, whatever it is, we're all human. And when a person is a member of a group that has been oppressed historically, that is currently being oppressed, their reality is different. You know, there are different degrees of suffering. So we're acknowledging that all humans struggle, all humans suffer to varying degrees. But often when we struggle, we isolate. We isolate. And this is a big part of depression. And so this is so important that we recognize that we are human. And this enables us to reach out to others as well. The third part of self-compassion is self-kindness. Treating ourselves with the same care and kindness as we would a dear friend, being that inner ally to ourselves, and uh, not criticizing ourselves, not judging ourselves. When we criticize ourselves, that's actually a threat to us, to our self-concept, and we activate our threat defense system. Why is it so different to extend kindness and compassion to ourselves than to someone else? Because anybody today who who would say to me, I am exhausted. I am so worn out. I'm so tired of it. I am so stressed. I can't watch the news. Every every fiber in my body is is stressed right now. I would say, of course it is, honey. You know, this is a wild time. And, you know, we're all just trying to get by. But what I say to myself every single morning at six o'clock when my alarm goes off is get out of bed and work at 100%. Get your stuff done and then do more at night. Why is it so much easier to be nice and understanding to someone else? Oh, that's a complex question. A complex question, Terry. Well, it's partly messaging. You know, as much as three quarters of people are more compassionate to others than they are toward themselves. But we can learn to be more self-compassionate and we need, we need instruction. This is not something that comes naturally to us. So when something doesn't come naturally, we have to learn it, practice it, and reach out to people who can help us do that, right? So we asked Barbara to give us a couple of exercises that we can listen to and try. Before we start, she reminds us of some guiding principles. With any practice, you are in charge. You can close your eyes or not close your eyes. You can listen and follow instructions. But if it's not feeling right for you, if it's bringing up tough feelings, please just disconnect from it. There is just no reason to stick with it if it's not feeling supportive to you. And with that, Barbara invites you to join her for a a three-and-a-half-minute guided exercise called The Calm Practice from Rick Hansen's work on installing positive experiences in our nervous system so that they can become more of an everyday habit. 
first of all, I, I just invite you to wherever you are right now, just get some sense of being okay. So if you're sitting in your chair, maybe just wiggling around a little bit, feeling that the chair is supporting you. If you're standing, just noticing what the surface is upon your standing. And then for both sitting and standing, you can feel your feet touching the floor, the carpet, the earth, the ground, wherever that is, and just feeling that connection between your feet and what's supporting you. And if this is true for you, recognizing that, okay, in this moment, I am relatively safe, or I'm safe enough. And again, I'm fully recognizing that this is not true for all of us. But but if it is, if it is, kind of naming that for yourself. Okay, I'm, I'm really okay where I am right now. It's okay to be here right now. And now becoming aware that you're breathing. Noticing your breath. Feeling the breath going in, feeling it moving out. And again, if this is true for you, noticing that, okay, my breathing's okay right now. There's enough oxygen for me right now. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. And now I'll invite you to take one or more breaths where your exhalation is longer than your inhalation. And we can do this together. So maybe we breathe in to the count of three and we'll breathe out to the count of six. So let's just try that. So take a breath in, two, three, and out. Two, three, four, five, six. And another one in, two, three, out, two, three, four, five, six. And if the timing's not right, just make it right for you. Just knowing that what you want to do is make your exhalation a bit longer than your inhalation. And if it's hard for you to do that, you can even imagine yourself blowing out, exhaling through a straw. And if you take those few breaths and you notice that it does feel calming, stay with it for a little while. Notice it. Notice the calm. And then... Really see if you can let that warm feeling of calm kind of be absorbed into your body like a sponge, just taking it in. And with your eyes open, you could do that driving. I mean, it, it really is Absolutely. accessible, which is a really lovely thing about it. I do it in so many different places, including when I'm trying to go to sleep at night. And we all know how important sleep is for both our mental and overall health. And anything we can do to refuel our tanks can only help us. 
Shifting to a second, even shorter practice, Barber describes how mindfulness and self-compassion are intertwined. When you bring a kind attitude, goodwill, some heartfulness to these practices, you're bringing self-compassion. You're bringing that warmth to these practices. And when mindfulness is in full bloom, self-compassion is there. And when self-compassion is in full bloom, mindfulness is there. So they really are two parts of this wonderful internal resource that we have. The next resource Barbara walks us through is the STOP practice. S-T-O-P is an acronym used in this two-and-a-half-minute method. So let's do that together right now. So S, stop. Stop what you're doing. T, take three deeper breaths. Observe what you're feeling right now inside yourself, your body, your emotions, and your thoughts. What's going on in the inner landscape right now? And perhaps inclining a bit towards relaxation or softening if there's any tightness or gripping or difficult thoughts. And then P, proceed with what you're doing. So we can use this stop practice during any time of our day, really, you know, and I think transitions are often really hard. So if we're transitioning, for instance, from working at home on Zoom to needing to go down the hall and get dinner started, Whew, that can be a tough transition, yes. right? So we can stop. And just that pause may give us that little bit of a gap so that, oh, when we proceed, how do I want to be when I go greet my daughter who's been on her own Zoom call all day at school, you know? So it can really be just a quick practice mm-hmm. that can help us with those tough transitions. Thank you. I think the more tools we have, the better off we're going to be because um, <laughs> some some of the ones in my kit are getting a little dull from overuse. Yeah. 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 But it's not, it's not, nothing's easy right now. And I, I am not sugarcoating it at mm-hmm. all. This is like the hardest time I've ever lived through in my entire life. It really is on so many levels. And, you know, it's just getting, getting through it as best we can. And Honestly, giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that, you know, I am really doing the best that I can right now with what I've got on my plate. I'm really doing the best that I can. That is self-compassionate. That is self-compassionate. Yeah. Thank you. I think we're all just doing the best we can, right, Bridge? Yeah, one step at a time. There was a picture that I saw this morning of a 
a kind of a nice ladder, a really tall ladder. And it had little teeny steps on one ladder and it had great, the distance between the two steps on another ladder was huge. And the one with the little steps, the person was climbing up, 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 up because they were taking baby steps. And the one that had the huge step was still standing Mm. on the ground looking at the first rung saying, how am I going to get up there? Nice. Great metaphor. Yeah, I think it's a really apt metaphor. I think we need to break things down into simple things. And that certainly, as Barbara just eloquently explained to us, includes our breath Mm. and checking in and tuning in and paying attention to what we're thinking and paying attention to how we feel, both our bodies and where in our bodies are we feeling that lockedness or tension or, or maybe something else. Just that that checking in on ourselves and others. I want to give an example of how this helped me this week because, you know, obviously I, I did the interview with Barbara and I have also taken her class twice and they're eight-week classes. So, you know, I've had a fair amount of exposure to this and that does not mean that I've been doing it with any regularity, but it's it's in the back of my mind. So now it was moved to the front of my mind because I had just listened to these practices with her. And something happened to the light in my kitchen, the ceiling light, and it was flashing like a, I could say a disco, but, you know, like Uh if if there's a fire in a building and the lights flash, that's what was happening Uh in my kitchen. So I was like, huh. Um, And I tried a bunch of things and not one of them worked. And I said out loud to myself, well, those were all really great ideas. Too bad none of them worked. And I stopped and went, oh, my gosh, because that is not what I would normally say to myself. And I was like, thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Mindful Self-Compassion. So, you know, these things, it's not about being woo-woo and zen and sitting in lotus position and meditating, even though all those things might be helpful. It's about just not being so mean to yourself because these are hard times. And having depression during them can really make it harder. And I just want to offer this, we want to offer this, and another exercise. Bridget, you want to talk about that? Yeah, Barbara wanted to offer a third exercise to the Giving Voice to Depression listeners, and this one's about eight minutes long. And since we just learned two other techniques, we decided to kind of edit and post it as a bonus recording. So just look for that. It's called A Brief Self-Compassion Break, which you can download and access anytime you want to give it a try. Excellent. Thank you. And thank well, you, Terry, I keep thinking about something you just said, that, that that us not speaking kindly or compassionately to ourselves. And we so often refer to the voice of depression as being a bully. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It makes me kind of See wonder, where like, going. where on that continuum, what's the voice of depression being a bully to me versus me being a bully to me? And mm-hmm. are they one in this? What's that? You know, am I seeing a braid? Am I, you know, what's that weaving of those two voices I don't, do you know what I mean? I do, and I think it's a good question and something uh, worth thinking about or journaling about or, yeah. Well, I like thinking that it's me because then I feel like I have more control over it. I know I've learned, thanks to this podcast, that I'm able to talk back to the bully of, of depression, but now I can integrate it into my own words as well. Good. I think that's that's a great idea. Let me know how it works. Barbara, as always, I so appreciate your tempo and your word choice and your information. Thank you again for sharing yourselves with us. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Bye. 
We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.